what's going on and welcome to another edition of the Life and Times of Quarantine podcast. Of course, I'm your faithful host, Rajani Rawls. I hope everybody's doing well out there, masked up, hopefully getting the vaccine so we get back to some normal. Today, I'm happy to introduce a really good friend of mine, the producer, social media extraordinaire, Jeff J. Jeff, how you doing? How you feeling, man? man? Good brother. I'm good, man. I'm good. I'm alive. See you another day, so I'm forever grateful, you know? Good to talk to you, man. Uh, I know we met through, like, mutual friends and stuff, and you always had good energy. We talk, of course, about some wrestling and everything in between. (laughs) So, I mean, I just got to – I'm going to start with the question that I've asked everybody on here, and it – it could be a loaded question, depending on how it is, but just how are you, man? How, how are you doing? How, how's everything going on your end uh, a year into this? Overall, man, I'm in a great place. I'll say overall. Of course, you know, the last couple of weeks, if, if you're a black person in America, you're, you're having to reckon with a lot of things with uh, latest brother, Dante Wright, who lost his life. And wondering where the progress is and where when things are going to change, um, that we have to go through this Derek Chauvin trial and this atrocity happened in the same place that George Floyd was murdered. And it's not even a year, bro. I know we joke about the pandemic feeling like it's a decade long, but it's not even a year. And, you know, so in the immediate it's been tough not to mention losing um, a pillar of my childhood, my adulthood, DMX, hip-hop world. If hip-hop uh, raised you, then you lost an ancestor, you lost a relative, right? Um, so it's been tough. But I'll say from April 14, 2020 to now, uh, yeah, man, I, I'm in a much better place. I was able to slow down, evaluate my life. Things got real existential (laughs) during the early times of the pandemic. And, you know, I got the answers I needed and I put in the work to be the better version of myself, be the evolved version and really take care of myself for the first time. And it allowed me to love myself more, accept myself for who I am and see my path more clearer than I've ever seen it in my life. So I've, I've taken my mental, emotional and physical lessons and, and ways in which I, you know, alleviate stress and stay in good health and all the, the, the tactics that I use and all the things that I've implemented. And I'm happy to say that it worked. Things ain't perfect, but they're perfect for me. That's beautiful, man. I one thing that I've always admired about you is the way that you put things in perspective. That the way that you view things or or kind of events or ways in your life is the way to grow forward. And I feel as though in this time a lot of people had to like especially with people who I've talked to with this podcast or just off podcasts, like everybody's kind of reckoning with that in their own way. Who am I? Who do I want to be? 
like who do I want to be when the world when we can all kind of be together again? What right. Is the, what is the definition of my purpose and what a quote unquote job is? Like what what are the things that I'm going to do that not only fulfill me but make the world a better place? Those are hard questions. Those are those are things that you really have to get down and do some shadow work and. Mm-hmm really find out and it could be like it could feel lonely it could feel tough but doing the work frees you from so much so i really get and i really resonate with everything that you just said when okay so i wanted to kind of go back up because you talked about dmx and you talked about the the past events i definitely want to get into them a little bit but when the pandemic started like when did it hit for you where Everything where you figure, okay, everything's not going to be normal for a while. Man, I, I tell you, when it when we first heard about it, right? You know, I'm I'm a I'm someone who lived through a lot of the the epidemic crazes. With what did we have? We had SARS. We had Ebola. Like the greatest hits of 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 uh, epidemiology, right? That never really made it here. Um, you know, there were some cases, but it never really affected us. It definitely didn't affect us like this. Yeah, I think so, Ebola, yeah, like Ebola was like close. Like we got right. like a couple cases, but we stopped it, thankfully. Right. So, and you know, partially because it wasn't as contagious yeah. as COVID is, right? But still, we we had the whatever in place and it, it didn't get to global pandemic levels it didn't even get to like outbreak levels to be honest um so it yeah when i first heard about it and and you know we when we had no information on it like okay it's another seasonal thing it's, it's affecting china we should be all right it's probably like the flu I, I i have faith in my immune system i don't think it's gonna really do that much work yeah then, then when when they shut when they shut the state down. Now I'm in New York, right? When they shut the state down, and 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 we were officially on quarantine. I said, "Oh, this is different." When the numbers started rising to like past normal quote unquote death patterns, I guess that's when I said, "Oh man, this is different." Seeing people masked up wearing gloves, wearing shields, like in the, in the early stages when you had to go out to the store and you're going somewhere and you were fully clothed up. You didn't want to let no type of air in. Nah. We could have wore bubbles if we wanted to uh, or hazmat suits. That's when I knew life was different because we I've never experienced anything like the pandemic in my life and I'm and it's a shared experience because I'm sure all, all Americans can say that. They've never lived through anything like that, you know, uh, or at least a, a vast majority. So I I knew once the state shut down and we went into quarantine and we couldn't go anywhere and it and it lasted past a month. I said, oh, nah, this is this is it. <laughs> we're going to be we're going to be sitting on our on our hands for a while. Yeah, I you know what? I'm, you know, what was the saving grace during those like early stages for me was those Veruz battles because. It felt as though, even though we all couldn't be in a room together, it was an event that we were all looking forward to. We were all either tweeting about or 
kind of like in Discord chats talking about anticipating and it for one night established some type of normalcy because in the beginning where you couldn't really see anybody because you're like, oh man, this is airborne. Then you see like, like you just said, like the tolls of people getting infected and then like thousands upon thousands of people a day passing away. That alone hits different. Like, it's like, all right, I'm in survival mode all the time now. Right. I got to figure out, okay, like, even going to a Walmart or a grocery store is, like, a process now. I have to visualize what I want to get. I don't want to stay in there too long. I got to prepare myself for standing in the line for however long. (laughs) And... I'm in and out, and then when I get home, it's a process. I got to wipe everything down. I got to make sure that mask and everything is on and just hope and pray for the best. Like those days, like the early days, maybe towards the summer, it was not that it got a little bit more lax, but it felt like, all right, like this is kind of the normal. But those early days, that was some different stuff right there. That was like, all right, we obviously because we never collectively lived through this before. But it was just like hoping and praying that everybody's all right, you know? Right. It's it's like when, you know, I feel like kids from the video game era have been ready for this our entire lives. (laughs) You play Last of Us, Resident Evil. You've read Days of Futures Past. You've. You've been ready for a dystopian future. You watched The Walking Dead. You, You know, you've been ready for a dystopian future this whole time. But going through it? Oh, this is a whole nother ball game, right? Because that's when it's real. This was always a joke, but this is when it was real. And what was so sobering for me was seeing that death toll increase and increase and go to unfathomable heights. Like once we passed the 9-11 death toll, that hit me. Especially being a New Yorker, that hit me like, yo, this is more than Pearl Harbor. This is more than 9-11. Then they start comparing it to like wars and stuff. Like it's different, bro. Like we're we're like at 500,000 plus in a year. That's it's it's it leaves you speechless. Like you you it, it feels surreal. And it just really reminds you of how fragile life is and how one thing can one thing can upend this entire your entire life and then you know with this and this is just the US toll I'm talking about globally we're in the millions yeah and someone you have at least 6 degrees of separation away from someone who lost somebody from covid everybody don't matter if you're a newborn or a 90-year-old, it don't matter if you're from the city or the country. It doesn't matter where you work, who you love, whatever. You are probably six degrees or less away from somebody who lost people from COVID. And for them, there is no new normal. For none of us, really. But for someone who's lost somebody for, from COVID, there is no new normal. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a constant reminder of how debilitating and devastating this disease is. You know what the thing about that too is that I still that I still feel 
a year later that we haven't really properly mourned all that. We haven't <laughs> had the space to really like understand that we lost over 500,000 people. Like there's like I know people who have gotten infected by COVID who, you know, were athletes and are still struggling mm-hmm. months later with it. Like this wasn't a joke. You mentioned video games and it's funny because the Last of Us Part Two came out during don't spoil all the. Please don't spoil it. No, no, no. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not going to spoil okay. it. <laughs> but the events that happened in that game and how emotional that game is and how everything is laid out, it hit different because it was like we were living through this, and then that game is another version of that. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, wow, oh my god, like. Everything that you saw, like, I, I don't know, like Walking Dead or anything like like that, like that, that show may have j- <laughs> jumped the shark a little bit. But, oh, yeah. But like apocalyptic stuff or anything like kind of emotional, like you feel more connected to that because it really felt like we were living in some days end type, type right, stuff. The last days. Yeah. It's just like, all right, man, like. It sucks because, like, I know you and I, like, we like to talk to people. And we dove into making projects. That was how we cope. But the mm-hmm. fact that you couldn't be around people or the, or if you were around them long enough, you can possibly get them sick. That was something that really not only messed with people but messed with me. It was just like, all right, if I went to go visit family, I'd have to stagger how I did it and make sure it was a warm day because I wanted to be outside and check on everybody to make sure they weren't sick two weeks later. It was just like you had, and then afterwards it just became life. It became a routine. And I think now that it seems like things are starting to turn and the engines are starting to go that are we going to, how hard is it to break out of the routine that we've been living in for the past year? Right. And and think about think about, you know, I'ma speak to what I know. Think about being black in this country. Every day we left our house, we were we fear. There's some level of fear for your life. Then you have a whole pandemic that that's an equal threat to you. And I'm sitting here trying to figure out which one is the worst threat. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) In Same. It feels like we were living in two pandemics. Right, right, right. And one is a generational pandemic. The other one, at least there's medicine that can quell it, right? Um, but yeah, there's going to be, it's it's going to be interesting watching how we integrate our current way of living into the aftermath of the pandemic, because that's what's going to have to happen. If you listen to anybody who's had to have the conversations with their job about when do they go back in the office, this is one of the biggest struggles. Oh, yeah. Because now, for many industries, it's been proven that you do not have to be cooped up in an office five days a week, eight hours a day for three summers, a different world like Cree Summer, (laughs) to, 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 to do your job, right? So now what? Now are you going to... Work with your 
employees to make a hybrid 21st century work schedule or are you going to demand that you automatically go back to the thing the way things were and I'm and I'm speaking of course about jobs that have the flexibility to work remote some jobs you can't you just can't do you know but there's going to be there's going to be a, a it's going to be interesting to see how people integrate new normal into trying to get back to the old normal because you know are are you going to end the the healthy life practices if now you have to go back into the office what does your new morning routine look like what where where's your appreciation for time and and valuing of your family like is that gonna go away and how where, where how do companies adapt how do people adapt i it, it's it's really, it's really going to be interesting, and I know there's going to be a lot of folks that struggle with it. They're going to say no, oh, right? They're going to, they're going to be a reckoning, man. They're going to say no because, like you and I are talking about, we have cultivated a new sense of self. Like it's just like things feel different. Maybe you know we don't need to be in the office five days a week, right? And if you think about that, a lot of that is unhealthy. Like you think, <laughs> what is building your day you get up you get ready for work you spend time commuting to work you get to work you're doing things you leave you spend time commuting back to try to do things and you you don't even spend a lot of time at home maybe you spend, you know what i mean like it's like you spend more time at work than you do at home but then there's right. another caveat to that where uh, people were finding where if you work at home that divide kind of creeps into your home life so mm-hmm. it's like, all right, maybe I could work another hour since I'm home. Maybe it's not going to feel that way. But you're not unplugging. It's just it's it's a, a crazy schism that we have to kind of try to figure out. And also the way that we view relationships, the way that we view relationships with like romantic relationships, relationships with ourselves, friendships. Mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of that is going to be is different. I feel a lot of people have done some self-assessment and assessment with the circles that they've kind of been around. It's like, who am I now? Maybe there's people that have gone closer together. And then there's some people that figure out that, you know what, we are kind of, we, we are different. So maybe it's time for us to turn away after this. It's going to be like, when things really open up, it's going to be very intriguing to see how our society and things mesh together again because it's going to be messy at first it's just and to to quickly to go back to your point Mm -hmm. of just being black we i feel like not only was covid disproportionately killing us and everything with racism we have been on i feel like panic mode double time right so it feels as though like we already have Black people collectively have PTSD from two different things. Like it's it, and I don't. I feel that like a lot of people, and I said this yesterday that some people get to march with us. They do it on the weekends. They say that they understand, but at the same time, they get to unplug from this. We never get to unplug. This is our lives every single day, and it's just that it felt like COVID exacerbated like you said a generational problems with the health with like the healthcare system and 
where resources went to it didn't go to black and hispanic neighborhoods like it did rich white neighborhoods right we weren't okay so like to see that and to see like you know your people like die at a higher rate was also jarring too yeah this is this is the part of the the epilogue of the (laughs) dystopian video game where they eventually survive and you never see how the relationships (laughs) dynamics work afterwards or how people actually move on this is what we're going to have to deal with i personally think it's it's just accelerated the natural lifestyle life cycle of relationships all types of relationships if you had somebody who was an acquaintance and y'all didn't really vibe like that during this whole time you didn't really contact people then you probably just got to the end quicker. You fast travel to the end in this pandemic, right? There's also a, a bunch of relationships that were formed. I met so many people on on Zoom, on House Party, on FaceTime, on all the the video apps. I've met I've met people that I probably would have never met if this didn't happen. And some people who I met like to this day that I'm still tight with as tight as you can get virtually right like people that i've met people that i that i've uh things that i've experienced would not have happened if this pandemic didn't happen and i think that's also going to be something that you see people cope with is the success that they've gained during the pandemic and you get that you may feel survivor's remorse or whatever other psychological disruption that you may feel or emotional guilt that you may harbor because you might have glowed up during the pandemic you might have had successes even the fact that you got out of it alive you may feel guilty because someone you know passed or a bunch of people you know got it so how are people gonna deal with pandemic success stories you know there's gonna be a lot of therapy needed and a lot of 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 introspection too so i'm just hoping that everybody is able to get that peace of mind that's a good point survivor's remorse or survivor's guilt because like even getting vaccinated or something like that like you think about it and you're like damn i made it but damn like thousands upon thousands of people didn't and thousands upon thousands might still not like it's just like and even the, with the people who have long haul covid like they still haven't gotten their lives back like you know you said like healthy people who can't even walk up the stairs without losing their breath or um i think jason tatum said that like he has to use an inhaler now like that's yeah. crazy that is a, a full-fledged athlete that covid like changed it it was it's an event that it's going to reverberate long after this is quote unquote over. It's going to, I, I don't, I just, I, I don't know. Like, that's the one thing that I worry about. Like, you know, like we were, we're going to have a lot of residual damage of this. And some of that we didn't even have to, we didn't even need to have to have to happen. Right. Right. It's, it's that res- residual effect that we have no idea how it's going to impact in the future. Um, You know, and and there's been so many so so much conversation over masks and vaccines. I swear I don't know 
how this got political, but I know how this got political. And I also know that pandemics are Christmas, New Year's, and July 4th all wrapped into one for conspiracy theorists. So wading through misinformation, disinformation, skepticism of a system that has affected black people in a adverse way for years, it's all contributed to the anxiety that we feel of 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 how we actually how we actually get out of this, right? But yo, if it's one thing that I know, I would much rather not be a COVID war war story uh teller. Man, I don't want I don't want that story. I don't want that badge of honor. I don't need that purple heart. I don't because you got people who still are having brain fog, who still having um, breathing problems, who have all these ailments. And in fact, you, you know, people talk about not knowing the full extent of a, of the vaccine. You don't know the full extent of catching COVID either. We're still, we're still figuring that out, bruh. It's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot to deal with. That's why I say what, you know, whatever people decide, whether it's vaccine, no vaccine, whatever, I just say like, yo, consume as much information, uh, factual, sourced, legitimate, credible information. You know, at some point you did not go to school for uh, epidemiology <laughs> or or any type of pharmaceutical, pharmaceutical background. At some point you have to listen to the experts and, and do your consensus. Uh, critical thinking is a lost art. And even those who think critically can always think more. So for us, we we have to be able to do this without flooding on any side, flooding with misinformation, disinformation, cherry picked half truths or anything like that. Like we need to know where we stand before we make any type of decision. And I, I just hope that people will get that one day instead of wanting to to try to be right on something that they're more than likely going to be wrong about. I mean, when it comes down to the vaccine, I know, especially with black people, there is skepticism. And that's because of the history with the government and things with like the Tuskegee Airmen and that experiment, you know, the experiment with syphilis and everything that happened with that. I just want people to be safe. Like I've mm-hmm. seen how does this, how this virus affects people? I've seen, I've heard the stories, I've read the stories of literally tip people in tip top shape out of here in two days, two days. Wow. You know, like hospitals, like, you know, I, I had a friend who works at a hospital, hospital just overrun for three weeks, with just patients in and out and all ages too, not only old, but our age. And I think that like things with like brain fog and stuff like that for two creatives like you and I, that would be devastating. So, I mean, I just urge like for people just to be safe. I know that we all have, you know, quarantine and COVID fatigue. I sure do. Uh, like I want to get back out there, but I also want people to do the best things possible so we can be in our best you know, health wise when we do, you know what I mean? I don't want people to have all these ailments because like even a year later, we're still learning more about this virus. Like we're still, it's still an ongoing process on how to treat it. 
Like, I don't know if we even have any, like, concrete treatments for COVID long haul people. Like, it's just, I don't know. Um, I wanted to, like, touch on real quick about DMX because it's good that this podcast is timely because, like, I was thinking about, like, the, the first time I've heard, like, I wrote a piece today and the first time I heard him and how in that era, like, you know, when I was younger, I was listening to, obviously, like, a lot of Mace puffy they had like that like that shiny suit era where it was just like kind of like the hype williams where like it was the money the cars stuff like that and it was fun to dance to but when dmx came and when i got is dark and hell is hot and was listening to that like it just felt different it felt like he was at eye level with us like it was just right he spoke to us on a different on a different plane especially with his prayers every Record. I I bought every. I think after that, I bought every single record in an era where when you purchased the CD, like that was fifteen bucks of you making an investment in an artist. Yeah. And every single time, like he came out with a he was like fresh flesh of my flesh, and then there was X, the year of the dog again, Grand Champ. I bought it because it was like with every single prayer that he had on these records, you could tell where he was in life. And he was transparent enough to say the highs and the lows. And especially coming up as a kid who was trying to learn how to pray. It was refreshing to hear somebody to, especially from a rap artist, to do that. Right. So when, like, when X, like, when was the first time you heard him? Um, I guess, like, what is your favorite records and stuff? And, like, what does his legacy mean to you? Yeah, man. um, I, I think the first time I heard him was on um what was was get at me dog and i and i probably heard him there's the first time i probably heard him was on a dj clue mixtape because clue had the pulse of the nation when it came to breaking new songs mixtape songs that was it that was our that was our dat piff that was our um you know uh what ovo sound the dj clue was the predecessor he was he like there were a lot of dope DJs doing mixtapes, but but Clue was the goat. It's just what it is, right? So when I heard "Get at Me, Dog," bro, I it you know if it, it felt chaotic, good. His energy was like chaotic, good, where he was going to make something of himself, take care of his family, and speak his truth by any means necessary. And I never felt threatened by his energy. I never felt shook. I just felt invigorated. And he had the type of aura where it was like someone with so much life power, but he was still one of us. He was still regular. You, you, if you've seen, if you've been on social from the moment we heard the news that he was in the hospital until he finally passed, all these stories about DMX. Yo, DMX was was the most interesting man in the world. <laughs> he was at weddings. Bro, he was mopping floors at like waffle houses. He was he was checking people's kids out of school before concerts. He just was the type of dude who you could if he if it was love, you could you could walk up to him and talk to him and take a picture with him. And, and experience life with him because he understood that vulnerability is a strength. It's not a weakness in the classic sense. 
Vulnerability is the strength, the power, the confidence to open yourself up to the world. Be true to yourself and live live through your low points so that you can see more high points in the future. Because those that close themselves off, those that want you to only see them at their best, that only want you to see the highlight reel and not the bloopers, that's weak. That's what weakness is. And DMX was the antithesis of weak. Through all his shit, through all the shit he dealt with, we can relate because everybody goes through stuff. No one is perfect. Everyone makes mistakes, even if you want them to be perfect to fit whatever holier-than-thou gaze you have. Not him. Not him. And, bro, this dude was the hottest rapper on this planet and probably a bunch of others from like 90, from 98, 98 and 99, from the time he dropped that three album run. That's why he was performing in front of half of the universe at Woodstock. Yo, think of, okay, so think of Woodstock, right? That was like a time where corn, Limp Biscuit, Red Hot Chili Peppers, those Word. bands were really, th- he came down and represented for hip hop and blazed it front of a sold out crowd D- dmx like crowds that like were li- saying like kid rock ball with the ball and sh- like he that dmx had people going up the rough riders anthem Bro. two number one albums in the same year yes yes yo he was like the white frat boys god before eminem yes everybody and, and party like- up right like he because he dropped around when i when i would when like when he dropped i was like Last year, high school going into college type, right? And I could tell you at his peak, what you couldn't tell white people that wasn't one of that wasn't their family, yo. <laughs> you couldn't tell white people what like DMX is like, yo, because he had his his story and his energy just transcended everything. Like he was still black, he would still let you know what it is, and he was just real. You you know, time reveals the real. And it's no, it's no coincidence that all of these stories are coming out now, right? It's like, well, I haven't, I've heard some, but not all of these because they weren't moments to capture for content. This was just him living his life. And realness is something we all can connect to because more or less, if you've lived life, you can identify what's real and what's fake. And like I said, DMX was the epitome of real. Like, and, and and not even just his albums, man. This man has a feature list that's impeccable. I, I when I was I I just I just felt inspired to put out some of my like favorite features when 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 we got the news on social. Twenty four hours. I didn't to live. Realize, bro. I didn't realize how many people did not know about Pull It with Cameron. Ah. Uh. Because that was a mix, that's like the mixtape legend track. There's like two things. It's pull it and the non-leaked version of the original version of I Am by Nas. Yeah. Right? Those are like two of the biggest urban legend of music in the from the mixtape era. Pull it, like I, I was I was breaking it down. Like some of this man's like he came on a track, he was on a he was in a guest verse. And you had to go into the chamber and charge up because he could say nothing and say everything. Oh, man. Because I'm like I'm saying, like 24 hours to live. Like, yes. Four, three, two, one. 
Like everybody like brought back up that that Showtime at the Apollo clip where everybody went crazy when he came out. Mm-hmm. Like I'm thinking about the Rough Riders um uh, album, the Volume One, some X shit. Like his his and Bug Out. Oh. I played that. Oh man, like it's just we lost the giant, yo. Like it's, yeah, it's crazy. Like and it's like like you just said, it's not only through his music, but like the life lessons that he gave, and it is even though that. He kind of came off aggressive because that's what, like, his early life, and he would still kind of go through that pain. There was so much warmth there and love still. Like, you right. know, it felt like if you were really genuine, you could really approach X and, like, he embraced you. Mm-hmm. And, like, that's why, like, for me, like, when I listen to his music and see all these, all these stories of him just kind of popping up, being there for kids um going like i said like going to random weddings or like going and like taking pictures with people people kind of frame addiction as like being a failure or something like that but addiction is a disease and to me x didn't lose that battle like he like he he fulfilled his purpose on earth he gave us the lessons that he had to give us and like fortunately like his time was up here but like he'll live on you know, and I just, I mean, I was sad. Like, of course, I was sad because that was a big part of my life in my musical journey that, like, literally every time this dude dropped something, I listened to it ad nauseum. Like I said, like, you know, the time where you had to, like, you listen to Hot 97 and you tried to get cassette tapes and record stuff off the radio to the point where, <laughs> like, the, the DJ don't cut in. So you had to time it right. Like, literally, every every time he was on the radio, every time they tried to drop something new, I, was, I listened to it. Because it felt, like I said, it felt, like, so direct. And it, you people were probably thinking, like, you were, like, a teen. Like, what do, you th- what do you know about? But, like, that's every black kid. Like, he was right. speaking for us. And everything right. that kind of, like, we went through, like, it, it felt like we had a champion. Like, he was, like, champion... And the aggression, like, it was just felt like another protector. So, like, much love and rest in peace to him. I, I mean, like, he's with the Giants, like Tupac and, and Biggie. Like, we've lost so many people within the past year. It's crazy. And you think that, like, with hip-hop, it's still a young art form, yo. Yep. And then we lost so many people. Like, our Giants, like Jay-Z, Nas, Slick Rick, just to, like, just to think of the top... They're still young. Like people think that fifty is old. No, not not with like life expectancy and how it is. Like fifty's still young. I, you know, like. But I'm thankful that like he gave every single drop of passion and emotion that he did while he was here, and and the fact that he got his flowers. Yes. With the ruse, and then I was watching the drink champs over the weekend where. Nori and them were just showering him with praise and love. I'm like, thank I'm thank God that he he felt that before he left because some people don't. Right, and and that was my biggest thing, man. It's like, yo, X, you were loved. I hope I hope after that versus they were showing him the comments and showing him the social chatter and showing him what everybody was saying because you know, I, you know, clearly I'm not aware of what happens in the afterlife and whatnot, but you know. I just hope he he just got that same energy that he gave to us for years. And I'm just I'm really hoping, man, that that our generation of icons and people who contributed to the culture in the way they did that they can just, you know, 
existentialism aside and, and philosophy aside, can just live a good expectancy away from demons and troubles and just like go, get old and gray. Be be like Bill Russell at the M, at in the NBA sideline. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. I I, I want to see that. I want to see like old Hove, old Nas, like 20 years from now, getting a lifetime achievement award, and people coming the the, the stars of that era coming back to 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 honor them and 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 rap their songs and do the and do these things. Like I really I'm really hoping for that, man, because you know. I, as I'm talking to you right now, I'm staring at Chadwick Boseman and the Black Panther poster. Ah, that and was another like, loss that like right. that shook me. Because even it, younger, yeah, and it, it shook me because like I have I had saw the Five Bloods for the first time mm-hmm. right after it happened, and oh. I and like yeah, that it, it, spoiler alert. Like if if you've seen that movie and the events that happened, it's it's eerie. Especially mm-hmm. after, you know, right. and, and like reading the story of him, you know, being sick and still doing that movie, you look at that, and I know we're big MCU nerds, but just as an actor, and I was like, yo, he was, he's just getting started, yo, and, and like, he, he had to leave, and I'm like, damn, we're not going to, we're not going to see that brilliance, we're not, outside of Black Panther, I mean, I do... Like selfishly, I wanted him to do more Black Panther movies because uh, I felt like he was the perfect f- person for that role. But I'm like, yo, like we're not gonna be, we're not gonna see that anymore. Like we're right. not gonna get a chance to see him go with the city, the Sydney Poitiers or Samuel L. Jacksons or the James Earl Joneses because that's who he would have been been with. I could see him winning multiple Oscars, right? And, and I hope he does for. Ma Rainey's, he should. Right. So, like, it, yeah, that one, that was a loss that hit me hard, too. Yeah, man. And, and then, you know, it's it's like they're both tragic. One one due to a ravaging, two ravaging diseases, right? Addiction and cancer, right? And it's just these things just plague us and ravage us. And we have to deal with so much from the inside and the outside that... It's it, it's dispiriting, yo. I'm not gonna lie. It's just it's dispiriting. But you know, I, I saw funny enough, I saw John Cena tweet this out where he said, "Live for life and not for legacy." Oh. And uh, you know, um, John, John always got to come with the wisdom. Yes, yeah. John Cena's quotes be hitting. If it's him or wherever he's getting it from, his quote his quote game in the notes app is is fire. Like he got all the captions saved, right? But Yo, when I think about it, they were living their life and their their the way they lived their life became their legacy. So that's a that's something that inspires me to live my life, to live life and be confident that how I live my life will define my legacy and I, I'll leave something. If I can leave a fraction of what these brothers left, I will be pleased. Amen to that, because that that has been on my mind with the recent events, and even last year with George Floyd, I'm like, Man. all right, like, what am I, what am I doing to leave for the children, you know, coming up after me, or the young people coming up after me? What world am I cultivating for them? Because I don't want them to live what we're living through. I don't want them to experience. 
the ugliness and things that we're going through right now because with black people and especially with you know the throes of capitalism where something like the capital will happen or something like george floyd happens and the next day you're supposed to like all right well it's back to work black people have had that weight on them for the entire year right and and it's like we need time to like to chill to process this because it's it's tough and like i said this yesterday and i'm sure i I don't care but like people got upset like my white friends don't like you they don't get it like we like there are some allies out there and i and i do appreciate them but at the same time like when i get texts saying like i'm sorry trying to understand at this like there's a part of me that says like there's no way that you could ever understand how i'm feeling the fact that i could get in my car go to a a, a wall a wawa hmm. go just to go get food and the fact that i could put and that i may never get, go home afterwards for that or because of the color of my skin in a courtroom somebody is saying like oh well he looks you know he looks strong so we took the craziest amount of force to put him down because that's how black people look we just look threatening i don't i feel as though like even though you say that you understand you will never understand what what we go through like that it's it's just I, i don't know like even when people saying like I am so so sorry I'm like like what <laughs> like I don't <laughs> you know what I mean like it's just like great thank you thank you you know what I mean like you can you can do things that I can't even though that you feel sorry for me there are things that privilege privilege exhibits you and continually gives you that you benefit from that I will never have the satisfaction of knowing just because. Mm-hmm. Of the color of my skin, which is crazy, which is absolutely crazy because we all have under this the same veins, the same organs, everything. I, f- right. I find that insane. Yeah, man, it's it's privilege is a hell of a drug and it's, and it's so powerful and intoxicating that you don't even know that you're under its influence until you're diagnosed. And that's what I've, I've found with a lot of people in those positions because They'll hear our plight and make it sound like we're complaining or we're exaggerating or it it can't be that bad because it doesn't happen to you until you realize it will never happen to you. It probably will never, ever happen to you the way it happens to us, because I promise you, let some suburban mom's son get gunned down because of an of of. Uh, of of a taser quote unquote mistake mistaking a taser for a gun gun control will be passed the the very next day bro they might defund that department themselves it, it's 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 unreal and people and these people don't they don't get it and it's infuriating because we all can't be making this shit up it can't be pervasive this is why i say Yo, the smartphone is a paradigm shifting invention because now we have our own way to surveil our our enemies. 
Think about what happens when they're not videotaped, when all these incidences aren't recorded. Just like the uh, the Central Park incident where, Bro. you know, the ladies calling uh, like the, the ladies calling the cops on the guy and lying on him. That could he could have been that could have been a situation where he doesn't make it home because of that. Thank right. God he had his phone on him. Right, a hundred percent. It's 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 nasty out there, man. It's nasty out there, and I understand why black black folks are exhausted. So I, I I've been talking about that Jerry Carmichael clip. This whole week. And he's like, man, it's exhausting being black. If y'all don't know that one, look that clip up. Because I, I, I felt it when he said it. But this week, it hit different. Yes. It just hit different. Because it's exhausting, man. It's exhausting. Like, this country should get on its knees and pray every day that black people don't retaliate and treat this country the way it's treated us. Because... That happens, and there is no more United States. Point blank, period. Point blank, period. There is no more United States. So it's a trauma that you don't you don't recognize. You 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 discredit, and all you got to do is just be a good human, be empathetic, listen, hear another perspective, consider the fact that you may not be aware of what's going on. Or your lived experiences are different because sometimes a lot of folks don't won't understand unless they see it for their own two eyes. And then even then, they'll try to excuse it. The fact that angry black person can be a justifiable defense against a murder that the world saw. And yet they would still go for that defense knowing there's a good chance it works. It's all you need to know, man. The fact that, like, I haven't been watching the trial because it, it would be too upsetting for me. We saw the video. We we all saw the video footage and to hear what the defense is putting out there, uh, a phenol phenoline or like that drug, exhaust, mm-hmm. it, 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 like stuff from the car exhaust. I'm like, well, how the hell? Like, if that was an issue, it wasn't like George Floyd was huffing it he had to be down there for a reason right he had to be at that level for a reason it's like anything that like oh well like we were scared of him i'm like you had your knee on his neck for eight minutes like what were you scared of you had this man subdued he was in handcuffs it's just that no matter i feel like no matter what we do no matter you know and i was looking at the the jimmy fallon thing right where he brought one white girl up there to do all the TikTok dances that black people invented, that black girls invented for TikTok. And I'm like, no matter what we do, do love us when we entertain you or make you laugh or make you forget about the existential things that happen in your life. But when we stand in front of you and, and ask and, and ask to look and, and say, as humans, you can't do that. You just look at us. It's either, you know, things like stick to sports. You know right. what I mean? Like th- those things. Or, you know what I mean? Like you're being too loud about stuff. You're being too boastful. If you advocate about like you might not get this job or things. You know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm advocating that because I just want to live like you do. 
I want to. I just want happiness, like you. You do. I I earned that. Right. My friends have earned that. We work hard as hell in a country that you know throughout history has treated us like shit, and it's just all coming in the wash. And the the reason why I keep fighting, even through exhaustion, even through sadness, is because I do not want this for my kids. If I I have come to the realization that I will not see the progress that I want, or I might not see it in my lifetime, or I may see it when I'm old and gray at the end, mm-hmm. but I'll be damned if my kids got to fight the same wars that I had to, because this is the same things that like people in the sixties, uh, you know what I mean? With sit-ins fact that, you know, they had dogs turned on them and hoses turned on them. They made that sacrifice to us, so if and I can't just sit here and not fight back for them because I feel like I would be letting them down. Right. Yeah, man. Yeah, and and that's the that's the uh, that's the spirit that we have to keep within us to keep fighting because the moment we stop, we lost. And if and if you know you can't pick that up if you have. If you're tired, you pass the baton on to someone else and and you you treat this like like a sport. You may need a timeout. You may need a, a full timeout to like rest up. You may need to sit on the bench for a while until you can get up again. Somebody else should be there to to take up the slack. It's a team effort. So Yeah, yeah. Please take breaks, y'all. Look after your mentals. Please. Like what what did like uh Beast Mode say? Take care take care of your mentals, take care of your chicken. Yes, sir. Please do that. Please, if you got to unplug for a week, like I've been kind of doing it today. Like some people have been like, I, I don't mean to like ignore people, but like I just couldn't. It was like there was some cognitive dissonance where like people were like texting me about stuff. I'm like, yo, like I'm just not see what happened. <laughs> like and like it, it also you got to verbalize it, too. And you got to right. have those tough talks because obviously people aren't mind readers. But at the same time, some people just don't read the room. So you just got to, like, take time for yourself and make sure that you are all right before you do that for somebody else. You know, because it's, it's exhausting. It feels like a damn marathon with no rest stop or finish line in sight. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's tough, man. But, you know. Got to keep on keeping on. Got to keep going. Yep. <laughs> got to keep I didn't want to end this on a, a bad note or like heavy note. I'm thankful that we had like this talk, especially with just so such an intelligent, thoughtful brother as, such as yourself. But I wanted to ask the first thing, what are the other than the Knicks game? Because I know you want to do that. But what is the first thing? All right. Two. All right. Scratch that. Two questions. Bianca Belair and Sasha Banks. How did that feel seeing that? That I. I just want to say, from the start, I've been a Bianca Belair stan since I since I saw her in NXT. I was like, she, she that she has it. Not right. everybody has it. She has right. everything: the promos, the athleticism, the charisma. I'm like, she's going to be special. I was a little upset that she didn't get the NXT title. Right. The fact that she, but two black people. I mean, two black women. Had that moment at WrestleMania, Chef's kiss. Yeah, bro. Um, yeah, I'm with you. 
The first, I can't even tell you the first time I saw Bianca Blair. I think I probably saw her debut match. And the minute she walked, she did her walk. I was like, oh no, she's it. I hope she can wrestle because if she can wrestle, watch out. Then I saw her match. Then I found out her background. I was like, oh nah, this is the future. This is the future. And I've, I've never been more happy to be right. It, I was so tight. I couldn't watch that live. I'm, I'm glad. And, you know, this is also a, a, a <laughs> this is also a promo to live your life and don't wait for tomorrow for stuff. Because I was going to be in the building for Kofi Mania one way or another. It was in New Jersey in my backyard. I was going to be there one way or another. I wasn't going to wait for the next moment. However I had to get in there, I got in there. And I'm so happy. That was um, so amazing. That, right. that Kofi Mania. Right. You think about. The, the concert that you want to see, the artist you want to see, the, the thing that you want to do. Yo, just do that because you, you don't know what what's go- tomorrow is going to bring. So I'm I'm tight that I, I wasn't in the building for Sasha and, and Bianca. You know what I'm saying? Only COVID is stronger than my love for them too, right? So I, uh, I, I was tight, but man, that was a moment. That's going to be for, for young women and young black girls. Um... That's going to be Hogan Andre for them. That's going to be uh, Sean Flair. That's going to be, um, I mean, that's going to be Sean Brett. That's going to be uh, uh, Cena Rock, um, Hogan Rock, uh, Austin Hart. Um, all those classic, the classic matches that you you can think of. That's going to be Daniel Bryan winning the triple threat. You know what I mean? That's going to be, that's going to be <laughs> Becky Lynch winning the double titles. That's going to be that's going to be the definitive moment that makes a whole new generation of wrestling fans. And you, you think about the history that was made, man, that they were the first not even just black women. They were the first two black people to main event WrestleMania. They were they were, I believe, the first two wrestlers to to have a match, two black wrestlers to have a match against each other on on a card. For a title, period, or or period, I, I can't remember which one it was, but this this shit just doesn't happen. Like even when Apollo Apollo and and Big E happened, that was low key the first time that happened for the Intercontinental title. Yeah, you think of like inter, not, Intercontinental title with like the Honky Tonk Man's and everybody who held the Intercontinental title, Mister Perfect, and just the fact that like you could have Big E and Apollo do that. And even Bobby Lashley walk out as a black wrestler being the world champion. And then the culmination of... And I and just to kind of go off to that point, I got to give my props to Sasha, too. Sasha is yeah. only 29 years old. That's insane, yo. 29. And everything that she's done. Like, oh. she's Hall of Famer right now. It's like when Kobe, Kobe uh, number eight, and Kobe twenty four is yep. two different, two different numbers, but he can go in the Hall of Fame for either one. Sasha right. can do that too, and the fact that like they had the type of match that they had, and Sasha wrestled her style, and you could tell that she was really the student of the game, and Bianca can show how much of an amazing athlete she is, and her winning that title, it made me feel like. So proud, just like when she won the Royal Rumble. I'm like, yo, they hear it. 
strap a rocket on her. She that that's it. She's there out of you here. go. hundred percent, man. Who and but who would have thought that like the WWE would be this inclusive right now? Not like that other company, but like <laughs> <laughs> but like the WWE. The fact that we are looking at Bianca Belair, women's champion, SmackDown, Bobby Lashley, men's champion for for Raw. Apollo Crews, Intercontinental Champion. What? MSK. You know what I mean? Like, Bro, you remember there was one point. There was one point, like, I think in 2019, where I think AJ Styles was the only white champion yeah. in Raw SmackDown. I, 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 I think I posted about it once, but it was nuts. Every single title, even the 24, you know, because it's like, that's always going to be black. <laughs> That's always going to be our truth. (laughs) The numbers might jump, but at one point, it was like because we we, you you had um, you know New Day as as one one champions. Um, You you you. I I remember it was like Rich Swan was the was the um, cruiserweight champion. Um, You know, it was like ever. It was like it was like seven of the nine titles that were held were held by people of color. So it was like you were black, you were Samoan, you were um you were uh Japanese, and I think it had even extended into NXT too. Yeah. Right? Because yo, even now, Street you profits. got MSK, you have Sasha, I mean Shotzi and Ember, you have Raquel Gonzalez, you have Karrion Cross, Kushida, um Gargano, uh, um, what what title am I? What title am I forgetting? Um, and, and Bronson Reed is going after that, right, right, right. So I think I named yeah North yeah, America weight both worlds tag and 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 now NXT women's tag team right two two out of the one two three four five two out of the seven championship belts are are are, are white guys. Everyone else is is like non-white right like ethnically non-white so it's 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 nuts when you think about where we were like when we were kids when you saw a black champion that was like seeing a ufo in the sky right it was just uh, whole it was just it was either hogan Shawn michaels right exactly so and you know as, as much as i love stone cold that's my goat you know it, it was it was it was that so it, it it's just it warms my heart. It's great to see Sasha is a ring general. You know what I mean? Like Sasha should be in Imperium right now because the mat is sacred. The mat is sacred for Sasha Banks. She might as well be in Imperium at this point. But she could she could go be the Mandalorian right now, and she's had a top three career of any woman ever. Any 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 promotion. She's had a top three career. She could go be the Mandalorian right now. You know what I mean? And go fight wars in, on Disney Plus if, if she wanted to. Like, she's certified, bro. And Bianca, man, for someone who did not watch wrestling growing up, she's just one of those elite athletic people who can see something and be the best at it if they put their mind to it. It's just, it's like those annoying people who just pick up things and then they're good. It's like, you, you just learned this. I've been playing this game my whole life. How are you this good? You, you never played basketball in your life and you get on and you dunk it on people. Oh, it's just, it's just that, that acumen, that, 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 that skill to just pick up things on the fly. And then you're automatically naturally 
gifted and good at it. It's scary, bro. So I I was extremely pleased. It's black girl excellence, man. Yes, sir. It's just so fulfilling for that. And I know that Bianca has, I hope they do this. They, she has so many, so the legs in that title reign that, and all the possibilities I'm thinking of everybody she could face. It's, it could be, it could be long. It should be long. Like, don't mm-hmm. cut that off at the knees. And I know Street Profits are, you know, they're going to be on their way back to win the, the tag titles. They should. Uh, right. Yeah. Like, for somebody who was a kid and saw Hogan went, always win the belt or Ultimate Warrior, and that didn't really, or like, you know, when a, a Ron Simmons won, that was that was great. It was like, oh, my God. Like, you know what I mean? Like, they gave a title to a black man. But I think it was The Rock that was really in the title picture who was like a person of color then. And the fact right. that like you get to see it now and the fact that you could have, you know, the Bad Bunnies come in and bring in, bring in like, you know, the Latinx audience. It's, it's a great thing. It's a great thing when something that you love can see you and be more inclusive. Like everybody who just wants to listen to... I'm not knocking like things like Godsmack or anything like that, but like let's let everybody in on this. Like it's right. not fun when it's just an inside joke. Like when you can bring up wrestling in conversation. Like a friend of mine who doesn't even watch wrestling sent me the the, the WWE Bad Bunny picture that said that she was gonna buy it. <laughs> like telling you, yeah, man, it's a phenomenon, bro. And, and remember. Most of the people who talk about representation not mattering have seen people who look like them in every walk of life, every level, and have been flooded with it. So, of course, they don't cherish it like others will because it's normal for them. So why should it matter? You know what I'm saying? It does. It does. The same way great role models in your family and in your community matter for you to see because what you see you're going to emulate. It matters to see that in popular culture, too. You take it for what it is, but it does matter. So, and it's also great business. Excellent. It's excellent business to be inclusive. Vince likes money. Right. If, if you like money in the 21st century, you better be ex- inclusive. Or else, have fun getting your money from one set of, 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 of America, whatever the case may be. And, he, and it's not, and it be the, the, the quote unquote majority, you know? But, or, or even have fun. Being a failing organization, because that's what it's about to be. Oh, you know, there's organizations like, you know, during like Black History Month or Women's History Month, they'll put up like more murals or say that we're with you. And as soon as the calendar changes, what? You know, you know, those companies. Right. It's like, we all post about people. It's March. The fuck is wrong with (laughs) 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 them? For real, man. But, you know, we're, we're. Wherever you're working, you can be the change that 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 alters that. Amen to that. My line, yeah. So, like, last question for you: What is the first thing you're gonna do when things are safe and open all the way back up? Hmm. Damn, that's a good question. I, I think I think the one thing I I, I want to do, um, because you know I'm I'm more than likely going like I I was gonna say travel, but I'm probably gonna do that eventually. Um, I want to go to an event, like go to an event with people I know and not, and not have to take a COVID test, 
not have to worry about distancing, not have to wear masks or nothing like that. Just be able to just get up with people randomly again and and see people see people in different parts of the city like, oh, what's up? What's going on? Or or hit up a day party or go to like a game night or whatever and have no fear. That things that I miss, man. I'm I'm a, I'm all about connecting with great energies and, and meeting up with great people. And you know, we could do it safely now, but I, I don't I don't want to be restricted. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um I tell you this much though, that mask is on me for travel from this point forward. Absolutely. I've yes. been waiting. I've been waiting. We joked on. Yeah, I've been joking on Asians for it for a minute. Look at you now. And they had the right idea. I'm on a train. I'm on a plane. I'm on a bus. The I'm gym. masked up. Yeah. Masked up. Masked up. I haven't had a, a, a whiff of a cold or anything since I've been wearing masks. They are right. staying on, yo. Right. 100%. My brother, thank you for gracing your great energy with this podcast episode. I really appreciate you coming on. Yes, sir. A little bit. Tell people where they can find you. Yeah, man, I'm on, I'm on all social media at Jeff J says. Uh, I'm also part of the Power After Hours podcast. Me and my 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 dope co-host Chrissy Bree. We talk about all things the world of power. You can find us wherever you listen to podcasts, and you can find us on social as well. Um, my my channels. If you love nerd culture, you love pop culture. I'm the commentator you want to listen to. And I also encourage people to find their creative spark. Everybody has a creative energy within them. So I, I want to convert the negative energy into the positive energy as as earthy and new age as that may sound. I'm, I'm big on it. And I think the best way is to put out more positive energy in, in the way those type of messages live on and they grow and that they expand. So if you, if you ever wanted to do anything creative and you have any doubts, Follow me and we'll get through those uh, mental roadblocks together. Definitely follow him because if you need a pickup, man, like even I I find myself, if I'm down or something like that, he usually sends some a words of wisdom and that, that picks me right up, man. So Appreciate you, bro. As always, you can find us at you know the Life and Times of Quarantine podcast. Wherever you listen to podcasts, uh, give us a follow. Uh, write a review. Give us some ratings. Show us some love. Until next time on another rousing episode, my name is Marjani Rawls. Please be safe out there, wear a mask, get vaccines so we can all be together again. We can all go to parties and, you know, drink and celebrate, you know, being alive. Take care, everybody.